0: This is Reset. I'm Susie On, in for Sasha Ann Simons. What options existed before there was access to safe and legal abortions? Well, in Chicago, a group of women formed an underground network called the Jane Collective in 1965. They connected women to doctors who were willing to perform the procedures. Eventually, they learned how to perform the abortions themselves. And they did thousands in apartments in Chicago. To learn more about this history and what life was like for women seeking abortions before Roe v. Wade, we turn to Leslie Regan, professor of history at the University of Illinois and author of the book, When Abortion Was a Crime.
1: Welcome, Professor. Uh, hello. Thanks for being here.
0: Well, so just to begin, um, give us the landscape of pre-Roe. What options did women have if they were seeking abortions?
1: Well, uh... A variety. I mean, there were always people available who would perform abortions for money, um, midwives, doctors, and other people who wanted to help or perhaps saw it as a potential profit-making business, um, and many people induced their own through various methods, and um, the, the results could be seen in the emergency rooms hmm. at Cook County Hospital, where by the time period of uh, Jane – in, late in the 60s, they had 5,000 women per year coming in, bleeding and uh, injured, and some of them died as a result um, yeah. of unsafe abortion.
0: Were women with financial means traveling out of the country as well?
1: Yes. Um, it depends what time we're talking about. Um it had gotten much harder to find um, an abortion provider in the forties and fifties and people always find ways. And so people are traveling all over the country. Many people came into Chicago from out of state because uh, the city was known as a place you might be able to find a provider Um, on the East coast. People flew to Puerto Rico Uh, in the West. They went to Mexico and um, at a, In the mid-60s, there was an organization that was sending people there. Some people went to Japan, where it was legal and um, safe and available. Um, So, yes, lots of traveling.
0: Uh, What do you make of women taking matters into their own hands, and and how did they manage to operate that in secret?
1: Well, I mean, it was secret in some ways, but also not secret. Uh, One of the things that I found is, you know, people have accepted and used abortion for the entire time that abortion was illegal and before that. And, you know, they talked to their mothers, their sisters, friends, their husbands. So people knew about it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't something that um, was addressed in public policy or, um, you know, openly. Uh, so it was, it was certainly widely known. And and the way they did it, you know, depends on the time and where they lived. Um, there were— by the 60s, there were pills that were sold that were uh, put in the vagina and burned um, and did not produce abortions, but the extremely um, uh, painful vaginal burns. And um, there were people who knew how to use a catheter, could buy a catheter at the pharmacy or an orange stick. Um, some you know, uh, African-American communities in the South were known to use turpentine. People used Clorox. Uh, just lots of different methods that mm-hmm. uh, people found, and and some of them were successful. Uh, you know, I have somebody from about 1910 who talked about, oh, use a, telling a friend, you can use a catheter, just boil it first. Oh my so They knew they had to be sanitary and careful. Yeah. Well, for the the and, j- know, many of these <laughs> many of these people also did not succeed, and and there were of course. You know, terrible, terrible injuries and, and high death rates um, as a result, particularly among African-American and Latino women compared to white women.
0: Talk a little bit about how the, the Jane Collective uh, built something of a network and, and how they were able to operate.
1: Jane Collective, I wasn't even called Jane at the time. It came out of the Women's Liberation union in Chicago that had a lot of different organizations working on a variety of things. And there was one woman who had, had had an illegal abortion herself. And the result of that is other people would come and ask, can you tell me where to go? Mm-hmm. And she was very involved in the anti-war movement, civil rights movement. And so she kind of organized it into something a bit larger so that other people could share this information and what, it, what they had in newsletters and posters, you know, news, Newspapers like the Chicago Reader uh, were, you know, are you pregnant and don't want to be called Jane? So that's how we now know it as Jane with a phone number, and they um, worked with uh, an abortionist um, who was a doctor who was very good and skilled, and they brought people to him. Eventually, they understood that he was not a doctor; he did not have a medical degree, and that was very powerful because they realized, you know, you don't have to have a medical degree to perform safe procedures. So they learned from him how to do it. And there was a small group of women who were performing the illegal abortions themselves. Well, let's and hear, as you said, they did it in apartments. It was secretive. It mm-hmm. had to be pretty secretive. Yeah.
0: Well, let's hear from someone who, who called the Jane service. Her name is Wynette Willis, and she's describing the day of her abortion procedure.
1: I took public transportation to this apartment in Hyde Park. There was like seven or eight people in there, and we waited. At the appointed time, we were put into a car, and we were taken to a second location where the abortion was performed. It felt very underground, you know. I remember looking at the people who performed the surgery, And I felt relief (laughs) that somebody was going to help me.
0: Now, I'm trying to imagine the headspace that these women were in when there were so few options for safe abortions. Um, Can you speak a bit uh, about that and and the toll that it takes mentally?
1: Well, the fact that it was illegal and people knew that, you know, it it would get in the papers when people were prosecuted or when they raided at a clinic. And so they felt vulnerable to police, you know, arresting them, raiding the clinic. They didn't know what might happen. So it it made people feel like they were criminals. And, And this also happened to doctors who performed legal therapeutic abortions in hospitals. The laws and the repression of abortion made them feel like criminals when they were following good medical judgment about preserving a woman's life by providing an abortion. So it had a major impact on, and, and plus, of course, people knew about the deaths because the main way that abortion was covered in the press was about mm-hmm. women dying and coroner's inquest and, and just that abortion was equated with death. So they're afraid of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, although of course many people survive. So the fact that they're afraid of both of those things and yet They persist. So they so much need the abortion for various reasons that they're taking, their, you know, from their perspective, they're taking their lives into their hands. They're not quite sure what will happen. So Jane, I mean, that that clip is great because, you know, they did allow people to be there together and, Mm -hmm. and however strange and bizarre it was with, you know, women wearing jeans rather than, you know, a white doctor's coat, which also made some people nervous. They they also made them feel mm-hmm. um, cared for and yeah. and safe.
0: And I want to ma- mention that that clip was from a radio diaries piece about the Jane Collective. I'm Susie Ann, and this is Reset. When we're speaking with Professor Leslie Regan from the University of Illinois, um, Professor, do you an- anticipate that the services that the Jane Collective offered might resurface in in maybe a modern way in the coming months?
1: Yes, um, I I do think that will happen. And but I also have to add that, of course, that that cannot replace a system of legal safe abortions um, where people know who they're going to. The thing Jane um, provided for, you know, 10,000 and more people who needed abortions. And yet at the exact same time and in their neighborhoods, there were women who did their own, who went to Cook County and who died because they never heard about it. So we will have a real problem of how do people find out about these underground services. And even with, it it will still be legal in Illinois. Illinois has passed this amazing Reproductive Health Rights Act. So it's important for people to know that it is legal in Illinois. It will remain legal. And and we will have many people coming from out of state. Um, But some people who live elsewhere won't ever find out that they could travel Mm -hmm. to Illinois. And they won't have the money, even though there are, of course, abortion funds raising money. And I urge people to <laughs> donate to help people pay for travel and pay for childcare um, and pay for the procedures. And you know, I say these are abortion abortion rights refugees who will be traveling for abortion and, and coming into Illinois. So yes, there will be services like that. There will be there will be medication abortion that will be offered. There already is one, Plan C. Um, you can find online, um, which is, you know, good reputable group. Um, I understand that there are groups prepared now to um, kind of have a traveling clinic and go into the states where it has where abortion is criminalized and provide abortions. Um, so people will be doing that, uh, you know, brave and dangerous work to try to, mm-hmm. you know, preserve women's health and lives and protect their their right to make Mm decisions about their own lives.
0: And I want to end on a clip. Um, This one is from Martha Scott, one of the members of the collective, reflecting on how divisive the issue of abortion
1: has been. We really thought the fact that it was legal would change things, that this wouldn't be as political anymore, that it would fade a lot as any kind of a social issue. But we were wrong. We were wrong. Your reactions, Professor? Um, I think this is true, that a lot of people expected, you know, it was done. It was a victory. And it wasn't suddenly out of the blue from su- the Supreme Court. It had been legalized in New York and several other states. Um, and states were, you know, numerous federal courts had already found found these laws to be unconstitutional. Um, but I'd say at the same time, there were people who were quite aware that there was, you know, a little anti-abortion movement mm-hmm. um, and very concerned about the quality and the safety of the providers that then became visible. Um, so the mass, the mass organizing and marches and all, you know, kind of declined a bit. But there were still people mm-hmm. uh, quite concerned at the time. Yeah, nobody, I mean, it's become so big because mm-hmm. this has been useful for the yeah. Republican Party.
0: That was Professor Leslie Regan, professor of history at the University of Illinois and author of When Abortion Was a Crime. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.